Sports Talk on 702 with Mutle Madulini for the curious. Right, uh, we're just getting the legend on the line um, as well to, to speak about the World Cup. I actually want to play you that moment um, that I'm, uh, I speak of where John Olomo steamrolled my cat uh, that I opened with when I started the show, just so that you can maybe relive it. You know, let's go back. Let's, let's, let's play on nostalgia a little bit. And it is going to be our point of departure today because he was one of the most watched athletes, the most watched talents at the Rugby World Cup that year. And, uh, of course, he didn't disappoint with a stellar, stellar international career. So I'm going to play it on WhatsApp, um, and um, I want you to just, just take a look. And Francois Pinot is already on the line. He's already holding on. He will probably remember seeing this moment because this was the day after South Africa had played their semifinal, and um, they then uh, knew that they would be taking on this gigantic of a young man who is just a juggernaut. Uh, let's take a listen. Wide to Lamu, he's got the bounce, he's handed off his opposite. Lamu, oh, oh. All muscle and pump, he's over for the early try. Two minutes into the game, Jonah Lamu. A standing ovation, let's enjoy this again. What a sensational start, Bashup did it well, he cleared the space. The ball went a little wide, but Lomu pushes off one, and then Carling comes at him, he puts him off, and then he goes straight over the top of the last defender and scores a brilliant try for the All Blacks. A magic start for the All Blacks. Watch Bashup manage to create the space on the outside, but Lomu had a lot of work to do. He pushed Underwood off, he's gone straight down the line, Carling didn't get near him, off balance, gets over the top of Cat and scores the try. He went on to score four tries that game. And I'm sure if you're watching it, you were shivering, shaking in your boots because you already knew that we would be facing the All Blacks. Franz Pina must have known. 702 Sports Talk. SMS Bootle on 31702. Francois, thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's always a pleasure having you on Sports Talk. Thank you, Bootle. Thanks for having me. I'm listening to that clip that you played. Mm. We watched that game mm-hmm. because we were in the final, and um, this incredible athlete, just what he did in 1995 was just enormous. I mean, he probably is one of the most greatest rugby players the world has ever seen. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I I didn't even play against him, but every time the Springboks lined up against the New Zealand side with John Olomo, you just knew there was something coming. Yeah, 120 kilograms of muscle, and he ran the 100 meters on grass under 11 seconds. He was just a, a force of nature. But the the irony is, we played that he played against South Africa in eight test matches and never scored a try against us. Why is that? What do you think the the X factor was there for this country? Why was South Africa such an unbreakable barrier for Lomo? We are a country that loves challenges. You, you give us a challenge and we overcome that. And, and that to me is also the spirit that we are in now with this, um, <clears throat> the pandemic that we're living with is we'll, we'll get through this. As a country, we'll grow stronger. 
the scenes that I'm seeing of people reaching out to one another and helping one another and supporting the communities that they live in to become better is just uh, phenomenal. That, that, that's us. That's South Africa. You know, give, give us a challenge and we'll rise to it. Let's talk um, about this World Cup run. So, I mean, it was soon after South Africa's uh, readmission in, onto the international rugby stage. A lot of our players had, what, less than uh, two handfuls of, of test caps. So, uh, pretty much an inexperienced squad. And here you are, they say, right, Newlands is your setting, and the defending world champions is your first opponent. How do you even take them on? Yeah, they, they were... Um they were the favourites to win the World Cup. Undefeated in 12 months of Test Match Rugby, the reigning world champions, and we were playing them in the opening game. Yeah. I would put this down to Madiba Magic. Madiba came to see us at our training. Um, on the Thursday before a Test Match, we would have the captain's run, where I take the team out and go to strategy and what we need to do. And Madiba flew in with a helicopter to come and see the team and wish them well. Brutally, he knew the names of each and every one of the players. That's he actually fantastic. spoke to some of the players about the injuries and how they're feeling. It was such a special moment. In the bus on the way back to the hotel, there was just silence. And, and it was just, there was, a, there was, there was a spirit of Madiba. <clears throat> we, we, we felt that there's, there's, there's a purpose. And playing against Australia was the most important game for us because if we lost to Australia, it would be very difficult to win the World Cup. But if we beat the reigning world champions mm-hmm. and favourites, it'll be uh, something to behold. And um, we did. We did in a spectacular form. I mean, we actually played probably our best game in the World Cup against Australia on the backdrop of the most incredible crowd at Newlands, uh, Madiba opening up the World Cup. Um, it was just such a special thing. And, and funny enough, I've never watched that game until a couple of weeks back. Supersport are playing all the World Cup games and my sons are now 22 and 20. Then they were much younger. Mm. We watched the whole build-up, the game. It was such a special moment for me just to, to experience all of that. I mean, it must be goosebumps type of stuff. And I'm glad you got to watch it, Francois. And, and I know that as a professional sportsman, you don't watch your performances for the sake of enjoyment. You watch them to critique, to improve. <laughs> you're so right. This yeah, time you're so right. Because <laughs> the one thing you don't want to do is have a bad game. Um, uh, when you have a bad game, you criticize yourself. You go into a bit of a, a spiral. But uh, that day, we just played some fantastic rugby. And how did it feel like to just be one of us? You know, somebody who, of course, the moment has passed, but you, you, you got the sense of it, and you're right. Supersport has been playing the, the Rugby World Cup, and I've been watching it. And, you know, it, it really takes you there. It really puts you back at Newlands. It, it, it takes you back to the Butterasma Stadium, you know, uh, back to the, uh, the Donnie Craven Stadium. It, it, it's like we're reliving all of this. And how does it feel for you, having been there, to now watch it with your sons especially? You know, it's magic. It's special. Um, given that it's 25 years ago, and we've seen some wonderful victories in 2007, John Smith and his team in Paris. And last year, I was in Yokohama to watch Sia Khaleesi raise the Rugby World Cup, and I was super excited. But if you just think about this, we were the spark of hope. 
our country just came out of apartheid. Mm. We had the first black president our country. And that team came up with a slogan, one team, one country. We were playing for everybody in South Africa. There were, there were a lot of emotions towards Springbok rugby then, a lot. Uh, a lot of negative emotions and a lot of positive emotions. And we need to figure that out. And um, it's just incredible if I, if I reflect back 25 years ago, how a nation came together under the leadership of Mr. Mandela. Mm. It's it just, I'm, I'm probably the luckiest sportsman alive ever. Mm. I mean, iconic moments, iconic scenes, especially uh, everybody remembers the hoisting of the Rugby World Cup trophy, the number six on Madiba's back. And it's, you will forever be synonymous with the man. I couldn't believe it when uh, there was a knock on our door. Now, just to contextualize this, you are playing in the biggest game in your life. It's so emotional. It's so intense. We didn't see the, the jumbo flying over the stadium, but we heard the stadium. We, we felt the stadium rock and noises. So we, well, what is happening outside? And then there's a knock on the door, and Mr. Mandela walks in, and nobody had a clue that he was going to come to the changing room. And he's wearing a springbok on his heart. Mm. And he, and he says to the team, thank you for making our country proud. We're with you. And he turns around and I see my number six on his back. I mean, I was so emotional. I had to go and collect myself. I had to go and sit and just think about all this because it could have been, it could have been counterintuitive. It could have been so emotional that we, we couldn't focus on the game. Mm. Um, very, very special. And that's what I'm saying. I'm the luckiest sportsman alive. I, I, I was there on the stage with Madiba when he had it me, the, the rugby World Cup, and the most incredible words, he said to me, Francois, thank you for what you've done for the country. And I said to him, no, Mr. Mandela, thank you for what you have done for this country. Sure. Now, there's, there's a, a university in America, Cornell University, there's a professor there that's actually written a book about the words we said to one another and the significance of that. But you don't see that when you're a youngster on the stage. You just see, um, there's my president, he's handing me, the best trophy in my sporting career. I think my biggest regret is I wish I hugged him. Mm. I wish I gave him the biggest bear hug possible. You're probably going to weep like a baby, Francois. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I still do, you know. On, on next Wednesday, when it's our 25-year um, anniversary, I will. I'll mm. set a tear. I'll set a tear for him, for the players that are no longer with us. And just for that magical moment where it was just surreal how the country celebrated as one for the first time in our history. It's just it's magic. Madiba magic, it is, Franz Opino. Um, before we go on, I have asked our listeners to call in and just share some of their moments as well. And I know that it's, it's very difficult sometimes for the average person to get in touch with you, for instance. So I'm just going to take a call, if you don't mind, from uh, Stuart in Cape Town, Francois, and just see what he has to say. Okay. Stuart, good evening. Stuart, good evening. Go ahead. Good evening. It was really interesting to hear what um, Francois said. And, you know, indeed, he is entirely correct that um, Jonah Lobo never thought of try against us. Um, and you know, there was, uh, I remember very clearly in one game, a heroic effort by um, Chester Williams when um, yes. uh, there was five yards from the, or five meters from the try line and 
just managed to um, yeah, uh, intercept but knock the ball on. But, you know, I do think it's a very important point here as well is that while, uh, while China never scored a try, um, was remarking so heavily, um, it opened the door for the likes of, uh, I think it was, you know, Justin Marshall, that Christopher Cullen to um, score many, many tries. Um, you know, so whilst, you know, as Francois said, you were determined and succeeded in keeping um, Jono out, we didn't actually keep the New Zealanders out. And, you know, through that time period, you know, after the, um, the end of apartheid and our reintroduction into the, the sport, you know, New Zealand had been the gold standard, unfortunately. Yeah, the love Springboks to always win. And, um, you know, they have, um, they have turned the tables on us. Um, but, you know, what is so wonderful is to see what Sia Khaleesi has done in terms of nation building and mm. hopefully we can, um, you know, we can, we can turn the tables back on them in the next decade or so. I hope so too, Stuart. Thank you so much for that beautiful call. Um, uh, Francois, do you have any comments on, on Stuart's uh, call? Yeah, we, we need to now stop waiting for 12 years to win the World Cup. Yeah, please. We need to do it in the next four years. Um, I was at the Yokohama Stadium. I don't know if you saw me on television. I was just beyond myself. And um, two days ago, Sia, John Smith and myself did a, the first ever interview with, with Matt Pierce mm. on our experiences. And they're going to play that interview on Supersport uh, just before they prepare our game next Wednesday on the 24th at 3 o'clock. Mm. See, uh, I just, when they came back, uh, the, 2000, the class of 2019, I was in the streets in Cape Town and I, I saw how a nation again celebrated being one. Mm. It was insane. They could have toured this country for a month. You know, they did five tours. They could have toured this country for a month. And that's the power of sport. And that's what Madiba said. He said, sport has the power to unite people like nothing else has ever done. You know, sport deals in hope. It, um, it's just such a powerful, powerful tool. Uh, and, and, and I was lucky enough to have that first off. John Smith in rugby had it secondly. And then now we've got Sia the Bear, who, um, who's done it so well in Yokohama. It's, it's so special to be part of that, that three, uh, the, the three captains. But I was also there in 1996 when we won the first um, African Cup of Nations. Mm. I was in the stadium in Soweto. It was incredibly, incredibly emotional. And that's just the power of sport. People... It deals on hope. Sport deals on hope. Even if you think out of sight of rugby, football, look at France when they won. There were more than a million people on the Champs-Élysées when France won the World Cup. Mm. It's just so special. It absolutely is. And, and it doesn't really matter the code of sport. It's just sport in general that has this power that's, to unite. That's, that's true. That's true. And it doesn't have to be your country. It can be your club. Liverpool. Yeah. Can you imagine the celebrations? Across the world. <laughs> Across the world, when Liverpool raises the cup? Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be uh, special moments, and, and those are the special moments that we live for. And uh, more so, those are the special moments that you, the sports people, sports men and women, live for as well to create. Let's talk a little bit about the fact that now you've beaten Australia. 
the largest hurdle you could foresee at the World Cup, of course, out of your way. Nobody expected you to struggle against Canada and Romania, and of course you didn't. And then uh, what was the, the mood like once you had progressed out of the group stages, top of the, top of the group? Yeah, we we, um, we played against Samoa in the quarterfinal, and we we faced them about two months before before the World Cup, and we beat them comfortably. So we, we knew that we would beat them. Um, all that we wanted to do is get through that game. But then we had the controversy of the game against Canada, where Peter Hendricks and James Dalton were suspended. Mm. They were chucked out of the competition, and Chester Williams was in the team to play in the opening game. And he was the face of the promotions. The waiting is over. He got injured and it was devastating for Chester. Mm. Chester came back into the side. On a Thursday night, I asked him to, um, to share with us what's happening in the country. Because you must remember, we were living in the hotel and on the training field. We didn't know what was happening in the country as such. We were so focused on, on, on winning. Mm. And he shared with us the most incredible stories of how this rugby team is bringing the country together. And then in the quarterfinal against Samoa, he scores four tries. He just, just was just insane. Just scored four tries and we won comfortably in that game. It was a very physical game. We had, we had some trauma. But, you know, World Cups go with trauma. Yeah. It's how you deal with it. Absolutely. I mean, he blazed uh, the, the stage light in that uh, quarterfinal game. And 42-14, as you said, it was expected but let's talk about, now you speak about Chester Williams and his influence, you know, him being the face of the waiters over, him being the face of all these national campaigns and coming into the team and saying, this is what's happening out there on the ground. But what other players in your mind really had strong influences in the team and, uh, uh, you know, that would have led the, led the squad to where you are? Because as we all know, Siakulisi, for instance, is the captain of the World Cup winning Springboks, but we know that there's, you know, a, a, a leadership group around him that helped him get there. That's so true. You know, I don't want to single anybody out. Um, I took um, I took advice and encouragement and guidance from all my players. That, that's just my style. Um, it's a bunch of winners, and if I don't listen to them and take their guidance, then I'm not a leader. So that, that class of 1995 had very, very strong individuals in, in the team. Mm. And you must remember, we were amateurs. We were not professionals those days. Mm. We, we had a job, we worked, and, and we liked to play rugby. And I, I was away from my business for three months. It gave us a, a different skill set. You know, we, we, we could sort out problems because we had to deal with that in our businesses and in our general lives. So it's a, it's a totally different makeup compared to professional rugby when this is your job. That was our passion. That was not a job. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's a job. Now it's, you're doing it for the big well, bucks. It is, and, that's, and, and rightly so. And rightly so. Uh, you, you know, these guys are in, they're incredibly talented. They work incredibly hard. And it should be a job. It should have been a job then when we played, but it just didn't happen for us. And, and, and I, don't, I don't mind that. I don't blame the structures, we were the ones that set the pace because after 95, the game be became professional. 
I'm speaking to World Cup winning um, Springbok captain Francois Pinar. You definitely would recognize uh, that voice, that accent. We all know him. And uh, we're just taking a, t- a trip down memory lane because on Wednesday next week, it will be 25 years since the Springboks uh, hoisted the Webellis Trophy um, with uh, Nelson Mandela, Madiba Magic in the air with the number six on his back, paying homage to the captain that was Francois Pinar as much as he was paying homage to the transformation that was happening in the country at that time. I want you to give me your thoughts and your comments on 011-883-0702-021-446-0567. You can send me a voice note or a WhatsApp on 072-702-1702. And I quickly want to play this one that has uh, come through. But, uh, that was a great game in LA5, of course, as everybody gave New Zealand the cup before even playing in that afternoon to this park. And then remember, New Zealand first won the World Cup in and it was a great team. So nobody gave us any opportunity, but the guy was guys like Frontra, was guys like, uh, uh, like the great guy from the persuasion, was guys like James Small, Mark Andrews, and others who went there against all odds, against Lomo, against the great guys who were in that team. As you remember, in 1996, some of those guys were playing in the New Zealand when the Super Rap was started. So, I think that was a great game of rugby. I was young by then, and also on sport-wise, I was not that a guy who was always interested in sport. Right, thank you. That's Tulani from Guatemala, Francois, you know, he... I mean, as he says, he he was young, wasn't really interested in sport at that time, but he managed to watch that game and he really enjoyed it. And he's talking in particular uh, the final. But before we get there, um, you now through the through to the semifinals, and you realize that okay, now you're facing the French. You're facing uh, I don't want to say real opponents to belittle anybody else, um, but it's going to be a lot tougher compared to all the other teams that you have faced, and it was. Yeah, knockout rugby is, it's scary because you lose the game, you go home. That's it. Your dream is over. And um, France actually played against Scotland at Loftus and they won the game four minutes into injury time where Emile and Tamak scored a try in the corner. And uh, we watched that game. The game in Durban was bizarre. We've never seen rain and, and, and a storm like that ever before. Yes. They, they wanted to call the game off. And I realized if they called the game off, we would be out of the World Cup because of our disciplinary record against Canada. What we had to do is calm the team down. Luckily, the game t- took place, and it was an epic match. It was. Very difficult conditions. And we had only to bad fullback who broke his, his hand against Samoa. And uh, he was playing with a guard on his on his hand. And they, they peppered him with, with high balls mm. and tried to unsettle him, and he was just magnificent. And in the, in the end, the game went to the wire. <clears throat> Abdel Benazi, I, th- I thought he scored a try. Luckily, he didn't. His hand was between the ball and the try line. And um, I, I'll never forget when I was captain of the World Barbarians, Abdel and I played in the same team together, and we shared a room. And we had this debate, and he said, he scored. And I said, no, you didn't. 
Uh, we had a long debate because he thought he's good. I, I, I knew he didn't. Yeah. Uh, but he said that was my gift to South Africa because what happened in South Africa after you guys won was just very special. The World Cups are yeah. always, there's always controversies in the World Cups. There will always be controversies, and that's why sport is so fascinating. If it was linear, <clears throat> it would be boring. It's mm. always emotive, and there's always controversies. And we managed to squeeze the winner, and we were in the final. And it was a near-pick match. I mean, so many dead balls, balls just you know, flying a kick and then it, it just doesn't bounce. And it was messy, but a, a game to behold and really the game to win when you want to go to the final. Uh, before I talk about what that game did for you as the team in terms of uh, confidence going into the final, I just want to go to Robin, who is in Dubai, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Robin, you are part of that opening ceremony. Welcome to the show. Go ahead. Hi, good evening, Buchler. Good evening, Francois. I don't, uh, I don't know, is my uh, line clear? I hope you can hear me clearly. Loud and clear. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd like to just uh, share my own experience with that 1995 World Cup. I, I was actually part of the opening ceremony, and uh, I landed up in that, representing South Africa, you know, with all, all the nations that lined up with their rugby jerseys before the main, the first game. And um, we walked onto the pitch, and I was a skinny-colored guy in the Springbok jersey. Um, I just happened, by default, actually ended up being representing South Africa, and I handed the, the ball to a small guy next to me who handed the ball to Mandela. And, and for me, that was just such a special moment, but it's also a moment, a conflicting moment. I was 23 years old, and um, I, I landed up on the pitch by default. In actual fact, my brother was supposed to represent uh, uh, the the jersey on the day, the country on the day, and he had to go and sit uh, an exam in UWC, so he wasn't able to, 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 to so I, I basically attended on his behalf. And the funny thing is that half half of my family was uh, uh, all black supporters, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was a it was a strange event. But it was also one of those significant, you know, somehow in the back of my mind, I knew that um, as controversial as it may be for for me, and as conflicting as I felt about it, you know, it was just. It was one as one of those experiences that you know you just knew it it meant more than just wearing the jersey on a day and and being on TV. It was very special and and I think the, the sports that was the trigger and we've we've gone we've gone the full circle now. I mean, after winning last year, mm -hmm. we've done the full circle and and uh, yeah, what a wonderful experience. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really hard to put into words, but, you know, uh, really, really, it's a wonderful experience that I had. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much. What a wonderful uh, memory and experience. And, so I mean, that that's what this, and that's what happens also when you have a World Cup can in I, your country. Mm. Can I just thank Robin for his honesty? Um, Robin, I so get what you, well, probably I don't get, but I understand what you went through. Coming from apartheid into democracy, and there's so much hurt. So 
So I, I totally get it that your family were, were not supporting the Springboks. I, I, I get that. Um, please trust me, I, I do. And I love what you did in the end, saying that the circle is complete now because we had the first black ever captain of the Springboks and the first ever black captain that have won the Rugby World Cup. Mm. And, and that's just such a beautiful journey because we had to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely, Franz. I mean, it really is amazing. And it's, it's quite hectic. We're running out of time. I wish I could speak to you for another hour. So let's move on to this moment in your Rugby World Cup journey in 1995. Of the Haka. All the ritual and the ceremony almost over. A chance now for the New Zealanders to throw down the challenge just as the South Africans have been doing throughout all the pre-match celebrations. There you are in front of a packed Ellis Park Stadium and you're facing the New Zealanders. Did you even imagine that you'd be at that point, at that moment, at that place? And how was that match? That's what you live for. You know, when you grow up, you play, I played rugby and cricket. At some stage of my life, rugby became my game of choice. There's a dream. And the dream is to be playing for your country. And our biggest adversaries has always been New Zealand. And I'm standing at Ellis Park and they do the Haka, which is fantastic. Mm. You know, people talk about the Haka being an unfair advantage. That's that's rubbish. I, I, I take the Haka as such a nice invitation to go into battle. It's a challenge. You look at your opposition and he's challenging you to go into battle. And I'm going, I accept that. I want that. I am there. Mm. That's very emotional. Um, so I take a lot more energy from the haka where people can say, um, no, you know, it's, it's, you should allow the other team to do that. No, no, no. The haka is part of history. The All Blacks, fantastic rugby team. Mm. But when I stood there and I looked at the faces across the way, I've played against these guys, um, from 1993, 1994 to 1995. Unfortunately, we've beaten them. We've beaten them in the first Super 10. So Sean Fitzpatrick was the captain of the, the Auckland team that played against us in the first ever Super Rugby uh, game uh, final, and we beat them. We've, we've beaten uh, um, the Australian teams. But there was one character there that we haven't beaten, and it was John Lomer. Mm. He was just the most incredible, incredible athlete, um, as I've said earlier. Um, so we were, we were confident that we could do well. Obviously, you have to execute on the day. It was such an emotional day. You know, we could have won it before extra time because we scored a try that wasn't given. And then the All Blacks will retort and say they had a drop goal that they just missed. But if our try was given, then the drop goal wouldn't have been in effect, it doesn't matter. It went into extra time. Mm. And in extra time, it was about a survival of the fittest. Absolutely. And we prevailed. Absolutely. Francois, um, I've got Keith who's been holding on the line for quite some time and uh, we are running out of time, but I just really do need to give him some time. Keith, um, you're on the line. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hi, 
Ah, uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, um, Kitch Christie uh, had cancer on and off in the, those years of the World Cup, and I remember then Uncle Francois. Now it's most probably Francois. I'm um, <laughs> coming to vis- visit Kitch Christie <laughs> at the hospital in Pretoria, at uh, the old Achievement Hospital. Um, he came there to visit Uncle Christie. Uh, in hospital in isolation and he came into my room to visit and he said, came to say hello. Now, I don't know if he remembers it, but I don't remember it definitely. Of course. <laughs> and um, yes, and then 1995, um, through the Reach for Dream Foundation, I was one of the dream kids. I got a got a, two tickets to the, the Rugby World Cup final. Then I was sitting in ICL box all those years ago. And yeah, I just remember that whole copy going up in the air when we won it. Um, it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. I can remember all the flags, people going crazy in the streets on the way back. Um, the best day of my life, definitely. Beautiful. Go ahead, Francho. Thank you, Keith. You've made me very emotional because I remember that. It was in Pretoria General Hospital. Um, you, you know, Mr. Christie had cancer for 18 years and he battled with that. And sometimes he would be so ill mm that he couldn't coach the team. And he would call me in and say to me, Cappy, we're playing this team. I want you to play short lineouts and focus on the blind side. And he would stand next to the field while I'm running the team being, being ill because he just had chemotherapy. And um, when I went to visit him in 1993, uh, we were playing in the final against the Blue Bulls in the line cover. He said I should go to the, the cancer ward for children. And I went and I came back and I was saddened by it. The next day I got involved with uh, CHOC, Children's Hemocology Oncology Unit, where um, young kids were battling with cancer. And uh, I I won't bore bore you the story. It's a long story where we got involved in in helping to to raise funds um, to help kids that that are battling with cancer. And I'm so glad that you have survived cancer listening to you. But but Kochi was such a wise man, and the reason, one of the reasons I think why why he was such a wise man, because he was always dealing with adversity. He was always dealing with stuff that he couldn't control in, in his life, and, and it made him a, a wonderful, wonderful mentor. Franz Opina, it has been an absolutely wonderful experience talking to you, reliving the 1995 World Cup in uh, our limited time. I'm absolutely humbled by this. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Captain. An absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That is the uh, World Cup winning Springbok Captain, Francois Pino, 1995, 25 years ago. And uh, on Wednesday, it will be the 25th anniversary of that historic moment in South African history.